Weekly Laws Podcast, episode number 121. We can't transmit because something else is already transmitted. Somewhere close, the signal's strong. Train, how would what kind even... of transmission is it? could be a sat phone, maybe a radio signal. Can we listen to it? Let me get the frequency first. Hold on. Welcome to the weekly Lost Edition of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. Now, here are your hosts, Stephanie and Cliff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weekly Lost Podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. We have a special guest host with us this evening. His name is Chef Mark Tafoya. Chef Mark, how are you, sir? I'm great, but you know, when we're on these calls, I'm Chef Mark Ravenscraft. Oh, yes, because you have to be a Ravenscraft to be a part of this panel. <laughs> That's great. To be a, to join the community. That's right. And and Mark is definitely one of the community members, as well as some of the other individuals that are in our live chat here uh, on TalkShoe.com. We record this every Friday evening at 9.30 p.m. And uh, there are a lot I of people from the community out there. And Beth and Jeff, and those are the only two names I can see from here. Christy, and you got Evan Ag from <laughs> AGDesign.com. Uh, you got Christy in there, and... Uh, I just... I can't see that far. Those oh, were the okay. only two that I could. I can make out Beth's because of the length. Of <laughs> I can kind of see the W and a, and a P, so I was guessing. But you already talked to Jeff. That's how I knew he was there. Right. Now, tonight, what I'm we're... I'm cheating. That's okay. What we're going to do is we've kind of done this with our other TV show fan podcasts, but we're going to start this off with a very <laughs> special update uh, regarding something that's very near and dear to our hearts, and that is whether or not Lost is coming back in February. And if you haven't heard about it yet, there's a writer's strike. All right, Stephanie, do you want to uh, give a brief update on the writer's strike, or should I play the video first? Well, um, I think maybe you should play the video first, because I don't have anything new. Okay. Um, all I know is that... ABC has said, um, and this was probably yesterday or the day before that I actually read this, um, ABC has said that um, Lost has um, eight episodes in the can, is, is the, the phrase that they used to refer to post-production. They're completely finished, yep. ready to be aired. They're um, in there with Prince Albert, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> they, um, so they have eight episodes that, that are finished and ready to be aired. And um, they are, they are, they hold the power in their hands to as to whether it will return in February. And they show those eight episodes. And if this strike continues for very long, that would be all that we would get. It would be a, a shortened season. It would really mess up with the story um, because Lost isn't a show where you can only see half of a season. Right. Yeah, we saw that with I, the whole six right. episode story arc. And they know that. The and, love you know, triangle. The the, the um, producers and creators of Lost know that. But um, so to save us from losing the story that we would lose because of the strike, there has been talks that it wouldn't come back to the fall or even as late as February of 09. Yikes. And that would totally bite. Wouldn't it? Yeah. And in fact, not only would it totally bite, but I think it would totally lose all the people who were ex- who, who decided to come back at during the announcement of the around the end of season three, mm-hmm. who heard about finally the end was announced, 16 back to back episodes, 
tight writing. Every episode has a purpose now. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, they're never going to lose us hardcore folks. But I think a lot of those people who just came around to Lost, maybe who had heard a lot about it from their obsessive friends at right. the water cooler, I mean, who now got stop. caught up on the DVDs, and now they're like, oh, I'm going to watch Lost. Now they're going to be like, oh, forget it. I'll yeah, watch something else. what I waste instead. all that time for. Yeah. And now I will be honest with you that I've I've been a little preoccupied with uh, getting our business set up and and all the things that are that go along with that. So I've heard a lot of people talking about the writer strike, but I have not taken time to really find out what it's all about, why they're striking. Uh, and today I did take some time to figure all that out because I wanted to be I wanted to come in, into the Lost podcast being well informed. And uh, they they put out the let's see American Writers Guild. The, is that what it is? AWG. Um, they put together a video, and it's available on the internet, and it kind of describes what's going on. And I'm just going to let them do it. Isn't that kind of ironic that it's on the internet, considering that that's one of the main points? Yeah. Yes. It really. Yeah. And and I and so uh, here you go. Check this out. Uh, we're just going to mute all of ourselves here until it's over. It's about three and a half minutes uh, in length, but it, it's very detailed, and I think we'll have a better understanding if you aren't not yet aware of what's going on with the writer. So here we go. When an author writes a book, they get paid for every copy sold. And a songwriter gets paid every time their song is performed or published. For writers of movies and television, we get paid when one of our shows is played on TV or sold for home video. But this wasn't always true. Imagine how many times you've seen I Love Lucy on TV. That show has run continuously for over 50 years. And guess how much in residuals the writers have been paid? Nothing. That show has earned hundreds of millions of dollars over the years, and the writers never received one dime for all those reruns. But because writers fought for it, we now get paid when studios make money off our work. So now when one of our movies or shows are broadcast on TV, we get paid a residual of 2.5%. In other words, for every dollar the studio gets paid, we get 2.5 cents. Back in the 80s, when home video was just starting out, the studios asked the writers to take a cut on their pay in order to help grow the fledgling market. Eager to expand the business, we agreed to cut our residuals on video cassettes by 80%. This was done with the understanding that once home video was a healthy market, the studios would give back what we had given up. But over 20 years have passed. While VHS has led to DVD, sales have soared. But our 80% pay cut has remained the same. So, when you go into a store and pay $19.99 for a DVD, we get a whopping four cents. And then came the internet. Services such as iTunes and Amazon's Unbox have allowed studios to digitally distribute their products more efficiently than ever. No manufacturing costs, no shipping costs, no need to warehouse physical products at all. But the studios want to pay us the DVD rate on these downloads despite the cost savings. And with websites such as NBC.com and Hulu, viewers can watch entire episodes of their favorite TV shows for free. And even though the studios sell ads and earn money off these shows, estimated to bring in $4.6 billion over the next three years, they are refusing to pay the writers any residuals at all. And why? They claim it's for promotional purposes only. If the studios have their way, the 80% cut will not only apply to downloads, a 100% pay cut will apply to streaming video too. And it's not only writers this affects. Actors, directors, and crew members also rely on residuals to pay the bills and fund their health and pension programs. 
So what happens if sometime in the near future, television and the internet converge and become one? The studios will no doubt refuse to pay anything but the internet rates, causing us to forever lose 80% of our royalty payments, if not all of it. So what are we asking? It's pretty simple. We want the DVD rate to finally go up after 22 years. This is your 1999 DVD. This is what we get, our four cents. And this is what we want, four more cents. And when our shows get played over the internet, we want to get paid the same rate as if we were on TV. Because 48% of Writers Guild members are unemployed at any time, residuals are more than just extra cash. They are a lifesaver, allowing writers in financial straits to keep from losing their house or losing health insurance. This is why we need your support, so that the future doesn't look like the past. Alrighty, you can go to unitedhollywood.com and uh, see that video for yourself. Uh, Chef Mark, um, have you seen that video before? I haven't seen the video. No, no. Okay. I've heard all the arguments, of course, because I've you know I've kept up with it. I used you know I used to be in the industry, um, so I mean I've I've followed this on on in many different forms throughout the years. Um, the 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 writer strike that happened in '88 happened right before I started in the business, so I was kind of aware of some of the the things that came out of it. So um, one of the things that I you know obviously this has been something that uh, when I first heard about it and, and the possibility of them going to strike, um, I'm like, man, that is such a terrible inconvenience to me. But when I think about it um, and, and hear about the fact that originally they used to get what was it eight percent. And uh, they dropped it down to two percent. I, I yeah. can't. Re- yeah. yeah. But anyway, they did that because v- video cassettes were fla- failing, and the industry was kind of failing, and and so they kind of agreed to say, "Hey, we'll take this major cut in reduction." Uh, now, whether or not there was ever any promise that that would increase again, uh, that's that's I think that's kind of a little bit left up into interpretation. And even in the video, it kind of s- said, "You know, we expected that it would." Um, at least that's the kind of, uh, thing I took from it. But anyway, regardless, um, the fact is, is that, you know, you and I, Stephanie, we watch television on television. Uh, most of the time we're DVRing it, but anyway. I watch it on the internet quite a bit. (laughs) Well, that's what I was getting to, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, for the stuff we watch and we come immediately afterwards and we're, we're podcasting, we need to pretty much watch it live because the stuff available on the internet is usually available the next day. However, the things that we're not podcasting on, we prefer to watch from the comfort of our lap, on our laptop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it, it, watching it That's on... a different kind of entertainment, Cliff. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. But anyway, um, no. Um, stop, stop it. Stop it. I'm not going there. Uh, <laughs> okay, now you're going to get me to start coughing. Okay, I anyway. I cannot make you cough. We, we, I'm, I'm cheap, and we do not have... Amen. We do not have high definition television here, but when but when we watch stuff from the internet, you get a much crisper, clearer picture. It's always in widescreen rather than this, you know, the shrunk down version from the television right. station. So yeah, I, I mean, I can see where they're losing money because you know it's it's being played on the TV, but I'm downloading it via the internet. Right. So yeah. Anyway, I I. I think that um, in our in our past shows that it, this week where where um, we've talked about, it, I think that maybe I came across that I wasn't in support of the writer strike, but but I am, 
completely. I, I support what they're doing. I think that um, I think that the studios are being selfish and petty and stingy. And although, thank you very much for not yelling at us for using audio clips in our podcast. By the way, you know, you do that, not me. I, I just show up once a week. Um, May I share something about the the, the strike? Yes, yeah. please. Um, you know, my my take on it is kind of unusual. I, I'm not a huge supporter of of unions in general, um, but but at the same time, I'm not against the idea of unions. Mm-hmm. My problem has always come when, um, and whether you're talking about the unions or the management, when one side or the other, or in some cases both sides, are so selfish about what they want that they actually do everyone damage by by holding so strict to their to what they want um, in the case of unions sometimes it's like you know they they demand so much uh, that it makes it nearly it makes the the business climate very difficult for producers to actually produce something um, and this is you've seen this a lot on Broadway where it's so difficult to produce a show on Broadway that producers are only willing to do um, known uh, entities, you know, they're only basically doing revivals. It's really hard to get an original show on Broadway because of the costs involved with all the unions. Um, now, on the other side, obviously, in this case with the writer strike, it seems preposterous that the studios won't be reasonable and give the the writers what is right. You know, Two what is and fair. Two and a half percent is all just. they're asking for. I mean. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the big problems is, as as the guy said, it's like, oh, well, we gave this concession. Uh, with the understanding that at somewhere down the line it would be bumped up again. Well, that's a problem when you got a legal contract because there's no such yes. thing as an understanding when it comes to a legal contract. There's yes. only exactly. the language of the contract. Right. So it seems a little bit stupid that they didn't get it set in writing that after a certain time or once the market got to a certain point that it would kick in again. That just I- seems kind of crazy. But at this point, I do say, yeah, look, do what's right. Do what is reasonable yes. and get on with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was watching, uh, there was a video that uh, was put out there in where the, I guess, some of the cast from The Office are in support of the writer's strike. Well, a lot and, of, uh, so, some well, of yeah, them they're, are they're all on, un, They're all union members. They're all union <laughs> right. members for, for the writer's guild. Exactly. And so one of the... Well, some th- of them writer's guild, but they're all SAG members. You see, that's <laughs> yes. the point. And, and yeah. SAG, AFTRA, um, WGA, IATSE, which is the stagehands union... Um, they they have these um, agreements that say that if one of them strikes, they will all strike. Gotcha. In many cases, you know, or they, at least they'll support. They won't they won't cross the picket lines. Well, they pretty much have to because you you get you can't work when there's nothing to work on anyway. In the case of the writers, but in many other cases, like for example, if the stagehands go on strike, actors in solidarity will uh, not gotcha. pr- report to work. If the actors union goes on strike, theoretically, the writers have already written their show, so it's like it could still be produced, but they will stop production in some of those instances. In the case of the writers, obviously, it, that, that's the first step, so no one gets <laughs> to work if they don't do their job. But, but many of the shows, many of the shows have stopped production on the scripts that they already have. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's here's the thing. Um, in the video, they said that they they suggest that the networks simply go out and ask their lawyers to finish writing the seasons, because <laughs> because they've and that'd they, be television worth watching. Well, they said they've proven themselves to be creative in that in the contract they've written that anything that is viewable online uh, through the streaming stuff mm-hmm. that they're you know playing the entire episodes the, the those are actually. T- labeled and described as um, are defined as promotions. Yeah, and 
instead it's of not. having episodes available online. It may have, it may like, have you started. Know, call a duck a duck, yeah. you know? <laughs> it, it, so, it may have started as a promotion, but it's not anymore. And, yeah. and honestly, now that this has, I have, I have not viewed an episode online since the writers went on strike. Yeah. So anyway, you you need to. I felt it was important to come and at least understand what's going on. Now I will. Um, one last thing that I'd like to say. Um, Mark referred to the previous writer strike, which was in 1988. It um, it lasted 22 weeks and cost the industry 550 million dollars. So there is the potential that this could take forever. Yeah. I mean, 22 weeks is forever in television land. Well, well, as you can see, they're already they're showing ads repeatedly for all these shows that they canned last year, but they still had some some uh, yeah. some yep. shows already done. October Road, which sucked. Um, the, I enjoyed the one that. about the uh, the one about the woman who wants to have a baby, which kind of sucked. Notes from the sucked. underbelly. Notes from the underbelly. And didn't you know the, the actress from that? I do, I do. I went to school with her. And, yeah, it's, it's and you're sitting here telling yeah. us it sucked. <laughs> Oh, of course, she's funny, but it sucked. Yeah. I, mean, I know. On. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, like I said, call a duck a duck. You know? <laughs> nah, I gotcha. So we're going to go ahead and get started with our character analysis in just one second. I just want to mention, uh, for those of you out there, uh, we are a family-friendly uh, content provider here. Uh, however, we are going to use some audio clips from the television show Lost. And just be aware that there is the the B I T C H word used. <laughs> I, I think you spell it. I would have just said it. Yeah, it, but <laughs> it is used at least I think three times throughout the clips that we'll play through nice. here. Nice. So and they're that, not talking about Vincent because that's a male dog. Yes, exactly. They're totally talking about. So with that, let's go to our character analysis. <laughs> Lost character analysis. All right, Stephanie, we are going to be discussing Boone and Shannon this week. And uh, I think we're just going to go through and do something we haven't done in a while. But hopefully the fact that we've kind of read through it is going to make this go a little bit smoother. Read through it. I was supposed to read through it. Oh, you didn't read through it? <laughs> yes, I did. I was going to say, whew, it's going to be a tough read tonight. I just wanted to see the look on your face. Chef Mark, if, you, if you're interested in volunteering at any point to read some of the content as we go along, just let us I'll know. I'll be happy to read. All right. So we're going to start off, and uh, Stephanie, will you just tell us um, from page one of, oh, by the way, we, we're going to give credit to lostpedia.com, lostpedia.com. Com. If you have never been to Lostpedia, it is the Encyclopedia Britannica for Lost online, and it is amazing how much content is there. So Stephanie, yeah, the whole the whole website is set up like a wiki. It is. It is. So Very Stephanie, cool. why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off and read about Boone Carlisle, and uh, right. he was what? Boone Carlisle was a middle section survivor of Oceanic Flight 815 and was Shannon's stepbrother. He attempted to assume a semi-leadership role with the survivors, but failed due to being rash and young, though he became Locke's apprentice uh, when the two formed a close bond. Yep. Okay. Boone survived on the island for 41 days before he died of injuries sustained in a fall whilst he tried to contact rescuers whilst who uses whilst the person in lost media a british person obviously yes whilst anyway, trying to contact rescuers from a drug smuggler's plane according to Locke, boone was a sacrifice the island demanded all right chef mark you want to read boone carlisle was the son 
Sure. Boone Carlisle was the son of Sabrina Carlisle and stepson of Adam Rutherford, who were married when Boone was 10. He was the stepbrother of Shannon Rutherford, who was two years younger than him. When Boone was six years old, he had a nanny named Teresa who fell down the stairs and broke her neck when responding to his constant calls for her in, in retaliation of his mother being gone all the time. That sounds like a scene from The Omen. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> at, at some point in his teens, Boone worked as a lifeguard, according to Shannon. He doesn't believe in guns and goes on marches, although he denies it. He also tells Hurley that he is a political liberal. All right. By the time he was 20, Boone was living in New York, right next to Chef Mark. Um, after flying back, now he to was probably living in Midtown. There you go. <laughs> after flying back to Los Angeles for Adam Rutherford's uh, funeral, Boone comforts Shannon and gives his up underage sister some alcohol to mollify her grief. Boone offers Shannon to live with him in New York if it will help her get her career as a dance instructor started. After Shannon gets the job, Boone is offered a job by his mother, Sabrina Carlisle. He accepted the job as COO, Chief Operating Officer, of the wedding clothing subsidiary of his mother's company, Carlisle Weddings, and had to move from New York. Uh, Shannon had asked him uh, to ask his mom for some money, but he comes home empty-handed. He says that his mother knew why he asked for the money. Boone then offered Shannon some of his own money to get her started in New York uh, without him, but she refused because she wanted to prove herself. Stephanie? She was stubborn. <coughs> we're down I although we're, i was taking it i'm sorry breathing. she was waiting for you to stop coughing Am I no, i'm not allowed to breathe over here obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> although he would not openly admit it boone was in love with shannon even though he was in a relationship with nicole and often rescued her from abusive relationships while at a tennis court with nicole boone received a phone call from shannon pleading pleading yeah, why are you waving at me? I was going to ask you to stop at the end of the sentence. Okay. <laughs> Pleading him to come help her. Boone asked where she is. She replies, Sydney. Is that my phone? I'm sorry. That, that's where I wanted you to stop. Yeah, hello. Boone, it's me. Shannon? Yeah. What's the matter? Um, things aren't so good. Where are you? Get out of here! Get the hell away from me! Shan Shannon. Just stay out of here! Get the hell away from me! Shannon? What's going on? Uh, all right, Jen, hang on. Just tell me where you are. I'll come get you. Sydney. Sydney. Australia. Australia, because you didn't let me finish the sentence. Oh, I'm sorry. See, that, <laughs> that's why I wanted to just stop right there. Okay, anyway. Uh, when Shannon showed Boone a bruise on her forehead, he headed to the Sydney police station to report the crime. Looking well, for Shannon. Who are you? I'm her brother. Boone? What's going on? What are you doing here? 15 hours. I just spent 15 hours on a plane. Happy to see you. Glad you're here. Something like that might work. Listen, this isn't really the best time. Brian and I were just on our way out to meet some friends. Why don't you give me a call tomorrow? And this is where he, she shows him the bruise. Please. Okay. So he goes to the police, Stephanie, and while talking to Malcolm, the detective, what happened? Boone sees a violent American, Sawyer, being hauled off to jail after being interrogated. <laughs> Which is great. Um, where was I? Boone. Okay, Boone, please. 
I don't need your interruptions. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I thought Someone's said, about to get smacked. No doubt. <laughs> okay, Boone pleads Malcolm to help and even tries to use his family name to gain leverage. However, Malcolm was unwilling to help because they are not blood-related, even joking that they are not the dating police, leading Boone to take matters into his own hands. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah. <laughs> Boone goes to um, a marina where Brian is working and writes a check to Brian for $50,000 to leave Shannon. Later, Boone shows up at the house Shannon is staying at to bring her back to the United States. But Brian is still there, even though Boone has paid him off. You were supposed to come later. Do you have any bags? Anything you want to take? No, Shannon. We're getting out of this country. Is there anything you want to bring with you? What's the matter with you? Ah, oh, look at this. Let's go, please. Come on. We can go. Hey, mate, you don't get this yet, do you? What's what? You set me up. This whole thing is a setup. She's just getting what she's owed. What did you say? She told me your mum screwed Shannon over after her daddy died. Kept all her father's money for herself. Oh, sweet mum, you got there. This isn't the first time, is it? Oh, you've done this before, you little bitch. Hey, that's enough. Don't touch me, you low-life piece of... Ryan! Get off of it! Boone then attacks Brian, but Brian wins the fight, and Boone leaves the house embarrassed and humiliated. However, on this occasion, uh, the plan backfired on Shannon as Brian dumped her and took the money, leaving her with nothing. That night, Shannon appeared at Boone's hotel and told him what happened. Intoxicated, she seduced Boone, and they had sex. Ew, I, ha- I, gross. Crossed, I crossed that out and put relations. Ew, gross. All right. Afterwards, no, they, she- they were they they were relations. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. That's the ooh, gross part. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Afterwards, Shannon suggested that they return to Los Angeles and act like nothing had happened. Which I love how um, whoever wrote this phrase that um, that she suggested that they return to Los Angeles and act like nothing happened because she was very rude and very just nasty with him anyway yep um mark will you read at sydney sure at sydney airport boone attempts to upgrade shannon and his seats to first class when boone returns saying that the agent wouldn't upgrade their seats because shannon had been difficult during check-in she storms off to try again as boone is questioning how immoral she can be she notifies an airport cop that some arab guy saeed left a suspicious bag in the waiting area to which Boone scoffs. All right. And, of course, that sounds funny, but let's remember exactly how it really sounded. Excuse me. Would you mind watching my bag for a moment? I'll be right back. Sure, whatever. Thank you. Sure, whatever. Couldn't get us in the first class. Why not? Um, maybe you shouldn't have yelled at the gate agent. What, you're on his side now? One day, you're going to appreciate everything I do for you. Yeah, I can't wait for that day. Of course, you'll be dead. Try again yeah. with the gate agent. Let it go. Excuse me for not being pathetic enough to want to sit next to some crying baby for the next 15 hours. Oh, my God. You're going to be a bitch. You want to play? 
I will get you thrown off this flight. Yeah? How are you gonna do that? I can do whatever I want. I can tell him. Tell him what? Who's gonna believe you? You're not even capable of. You have no idea what I'm capable of. Excuse me, sir. Yes, ma'am. Hi, um, some Arab guy just left his bags in the chairs downstairs and then just walked away. Can you describe him, please? Um, Arab? He went towards the shops. <laughs> he was Arab? All right. What goes around comes around, honey. <laughs> okay. Accepting that they will sit in business class, uh, Boone takes Shannon to the food court to to relax before the plane takes off. However, Sh Shannon continues to yell at him about not getting the upgrade to first class. Boone finds the, a table next to Paulo and Nikki, and and Paulo, uh, let's see, and asks Paulo who, if they who could, would that be? Yeah, no doubt. I don't know them. <laughs> And he asked Paulo if uh, he could borrow a chair. Before Boone can sit down, Shannon storms off and tells him, "Stop flirting with the random gu with random guys." And Boone follows her out of the food court. You know, just stop giving the little brat what she wants. Just quit following her. No doubt. That's what she wants. The drama of him chasing after her. Yeah. And then after well, that was their dynamic. I know exactly. And it you know it it, it changed. It did change. Uh, let's see. After boarding uh, flight 815, Boone sat in business class seat 9E next to Shannon. While in their seat, Shannon searches uh, for her asthma medicine uh, that she forgot to pack. Boone, who remembered to bring her, bring it for her, smiles, puts the medicine out of, pulls the medicine out of his pocket, and hands it to her. I would have withheld it <laughs> because I'm mean. No, like, you're not. I am. I well, also, you wouldn't have been in love with your sister, though. You see, there's the difference. Yeah, exactly. Very, very true. I, I have three sisters. I love them, but not like that. Okay. After the crash of 815, Stephanie. Boone helped Jack in getting uh, many of the passengers away from the exploding wreckage. Um, while he was willing to help, Boone did several things wrong in the panic of the moment. He incorrectly applied CPR to Rose, blowing air into her stomach before Jack stopped him and sent him before Jack stopped him and sent him to get pens to perform a tracheotomy. He then ran um, he then ran around asking other survivors, including Nikki, yeah right, uh, for pins and retrieved. Not the first time around. Yeah, not anyway. the first time. Um, I love how people went in and, and added that. Yeah. You know? um, hey, I'm telling you, the people at lostpedia.com, they are continuity geniuses. They are. Um, and retrieved a large amount of them, which Jack never used. Later that day, Boone offered Shannon a chocolate bar, and she refused, saying that she would eat something better on the rescue boat. Eager to redeem himself from his earlier mistakes, Boone was put in charge of watching the injured survivors while Jack set out to the cockpit. All right. Uh, Chef Mark, you want to read what happened the next day? Sure. The next day, he went out with Saeed, Kate, Charlie, Shannon, and Sawyer to get a high ground, uh, to get to high ground, and sent out a distress call. They were walking through the jungle when they were attacked by a polar bear. Hmm. Hmm. Sawyer shot and killed it, and they were left to ponder where it could have possibly come from. Because I guess they hadn't seen the comic book at that point. Right. They were ultimately unsuccessful in acquiring a signal. On their way back down from the mountain, they attempted to find a signal. Boone lifts a gun off, a sleep, off of a sleeping Sawyer, and when everyone asks why he did, every, when everyone asks why he did, wait, oh, when everyone asks why he did so, he said somebody needs to stand guard with the gun. The group then gives the gun to Kate, <laughs> thinking she is trustworthy. 
When they arrive back to the beach, Shannon complains that Mars is dying too loudly <laughs> to the reproach of Boone. <laughs> oh, man. A day later, Boone asked Jack to comfort Rose over the b- believed death of her husband in, a plane cr- in the plane crash. Boone tells Shannon she could not provide for herself, prompting her to flirt with Charlie so he will catch a fish for her. When Charlie returns with the fish, Boone and Shannon argue over whether Shannon is too manipulative. That night, Boone and Hurley help with Claire's memorial service for those who did not survive the crash. And on day six, Boone saw Joanna struggling to stay afloat in the ocean. Boone was the first one to enter the water in an attempt attempt to save her, but soon was pulled under the water by the same riptide that took Joanna. Jack, who entered the water shortly after Boone, saved him, but was unable to get back in time to save Joanna. Boone was despondent and bitter for a while after this. He blamed himself for Joanna's death. He grew angry at Jack for, uh, for going after him rather than Joanna and tried to establish himself as useful and attempted to, to ration the camp's remaining water supply on his own. The other survivors mistook this as an attempt by him to steal all the water for himself. He was about to be attacked and harmed when Jack inter- intervened on his behalf. While he was treated as an outsider briefly, he was quickly accepted back into the fold after he proved himself to have a helpful and friendly attitude after all. He assisted the survivors on several projects, including Saeed's attempts to triangulate the French signal and helping the survivors to move to the caves. Stephanie. Okay. After Shannon's inhaler runs out, Boone goes looking for her replacements in Sawyer's stash. Sawyer beats Boone for going through his stuff, and Boone runs to the caves to tell Jack and the other survivors what Sawyer has done. It Cry later. Baby. Yeah, I know. It later turned out Sawyer did not have the medicine, but Sun is able to help Shannon using some plants native to the island. When Hurley builds a golf course, Boone encourages Shannon to come with him to see Jack, Hurley, Michael, and Charlie play. At the game, Boone bets against Sawyer for two bottles of sunscreen for Shannon on um, on Jack sinking his shot. Boone wins the bet. When Hurley tries to make an island census, Boone informs him that Sawyer has the flight manifest. He asks Hurley why he is making the census, to which Hurley replies that it is another... It is because of the attack on Claire at the caves. Um, Shannon then refuses to move there to Boone's dismay. All right. And then Chef Mark, Boone was a part of the search party? Boone was a part of the search party that went looking for Claire after she was taken by Ethan. Afterwards, Boone and Locke split up from Jack and Kate and began to form a bond. They talk of their lives before the crash, but Boone does not believe that Locke worked at a box company. During their search, they stumbled onto the top of the hatch. Dun, 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 dun. When That's Locke when Cliff started flash- watching Lost. <laughs> when Locke throws the flashlight to Boone, but missed because he can't see in the rain. The flashlight landed on top of the hatch door with a distinctive metallic clink. You know, that moment when they found the, me- the metallic clink, and I remember that hearing that sound the first time. That that was your first episode, huh? That was my first episode. Oh, see, I watched it from the opening moments of that plane crash. Oh, really? Oh man, this I I saw that and it's like, oh my goodness, what's in there? I mean, it because you know I knew Stephanie was watching it, but man, it got really good. All right, and then uh, let's see here. 
Boone continued to work with Locke and break into the hatch, stealing an axe to break the glass and even lying to Sharon, Sh- Shannon, <laughs> Sharon, about what he's doing on Locke's request. And here's that. Sharon is here doing something productive with your time. Where have you been? What do you mean, where have I been? You and Locke have been leaving before sunrise and coming back after dark for the last four days. What are you doing out there? Is he your new boyfriend? We're looking for Claire. I thought there was no trail anymore, that no one even knew where to look. Yeah, well, at least I'm doing something. They see the way they look at us around here? They don't take us seriously. We're a joke. I'm trying to contribute something. You're just... You're useless. Chef Mark, what were you going to say about Sharon? Oh, Sharon. No, she was she was Scott and Steve's girlfriend. Oh, that's right, Sharon. <laughs> All right, because he was... They were, they were in a very complicated love triangle that as was, well. Yeah, and that's going to be season nine. Uh, let's <laughs> see here. Because he was with Locke uh, away from the beach so much, Shannon starts to form a relationship with Saeed, which uh, Boone grows jealous of, especially when Shannon starts singing for him. Stay away from my sister. <laughs> moment you seem to be giving me an order. It's just a friendly suggestion. A suggestion? Yes. If I were you, I'd listen. What if I don't? Boom! Boom! Found some fresh tracks down by the stream. See you later. You know where to find me. All right, Stephanie, I'm going to let you start with uh, lock tries. And just so you know, I've got three clips in this paragraph. So go ahead. <laughs> All right. No All pressure. Right. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Just like the fifth word. I can't. I can't. I've been looking at it all day. What is trebuchet. that word? It's a trebuchet. Trebuchet. Well, I've never actually seen the word. It's yeah. a medieval. It's based on a medieval. Um, uh, it's a slingshot. Weapon. Yeah, it's a, a medieval weapon that they use to storm castles trebuchet. with. I've never actually seen the word spelled. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's, the only, I mean, the only reason I know is because of Age of Empires. Okay. <laughs> There's trebuchets in there. You're a nut. I am a little. Okay, Locke tries using the trebuchet to open the hatch, but um, that ultimately failed. He told Locke that the survivors were getting suspicious since they were not bringing back a boar, but Locke replied, what we're doing here is far more important. <laughs> Keep going. Okay, well, I'm going to take a big deep breath just in case you can interrupt me. <laughs> now, I'm going to, after you say the word camp. That's my secret word. Okay. Um, As Boone regularly went on hunting trips with Locke into the jungle, Locke began to notice his feelings towards Shannon. There's a kid. When Boone told him that he was going to tell Shannon about the hatch, Locke drugged him and tied him up to a tree four miles east of... Camp. You know, we're going to have to tell them. Tell them what? What we found... You know, they're not going to keep believing that we're coming out here hunting. We never go they're back. They're not ready. They won't understand it. I don't think I understand it. That's the problem. Look, at least I got to tell Shannon. Why? What do you mean, why? Because she's my sister. Why do you care about her so much? You don't know her, man. She's smart and she's special in a lot of ways. Fair enough. She's been asking me about this. I can't keep lying to her. You mean you can't keep lying to her, or you can't stand the way she makes you feel because you're lying to her? 
Both, whatever. Look, she can keep a secret. You're sure? Yes, I'm sure. No, I mean, are you sure you want to do this? I got to get her off my back. She keeps asking me about this. She keeps asking about you, about the whole thing. You sure you've thought through the ramifications? Yes. So be it. While tied up, he experienced a hallucination of being chased by the monster and oh, key coin. and having his sister die. There you go. He tied us up, Boone. Why? We found something. What? While we were out looking for Claire, we found this, this piece of metal buried in the jungle. We've been excavating it. That's what we've been doing. A piece of metal. A hatch. Buried in the dirt. Like a door? Yes, yeah, Shannon, that's what a hatch is. Where's it go? I don't know. But I told him I wanted to tell you, and that's when he did this. Is this Lord of the Rings all of a sudden? Yes. Dun dun dun. Boone eventually finds his way back to camp and attempts to kill Locke for causing his sister's death. When Boone tells Locke that Shannon died in his arms, Locke asks Boone um, why there is no blood on him. Boone realizes the entire thing was a hallucination. And when Locke asks Boone how he felt when Shannon died, he re- he can't he- Boone can't help but give the honest answer that he felt relieved. The it killed her. Don't kick me. <laughs> you made it back. That thing killed my sister. It's your fault. You drug her out there. Your sister? Don't play dumb with me. Calm down. She died in my arms. Why is there no blood on you? What the hell? Hell just happened to me. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. But your sister, Shannon? I mean, I could spend days. <laughs> Sorry for spoilers. She was dead. Is that what it made you see? What made you see? I gave you an experience that I believed was vital to your survival on this island. They got him high. It wasn't real. Hmm. It was only as real as you made it. I saw her. I saw her die. How did you feel when she died?
time to let go. So the experience helped Boone to learn to let go of Shannon and bec- and uh, helped him to become more devoted to listening to the island. Chef Mark, when Michael? Uh, it's funny, though, because the listening to the island thing, it's like him, he's giving up one obsessive pipe dream for another. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, when Michael and Walt fight on day 25, Walt finds refuge with Boone and Locke, who teaches Walt how to throw a knife straight. Later that day at the caves, Boone shrugs off a nagging Shannon to her disbelief, and instead of helping her, goes off with Locke to find, to find Walt's missing dog, Vincent. However, Boone and Locke stumble upon Claire instead. Knowing Ethan would return for Claire, the survivors decided to have, to have some people take shifts to act as guards all day and night. Boone volunteered to be one, but Scott was still killed when Ethan attacked, coming not from the jungle, but from the ocean. Poor Scott Jackson. Yeah. After Charlie kills Ethan in a failed capture, things begin to cool down on the island. Saeed comes to Boone to explain that he and Shannon are drawing closer. Boone becomes aggressive, and Saeed replies that he was not asking Boone's permission. (laughs) Boone then tells Saeed that she has a thing for guys who can take care of her and will leave him eventually. On day 40, Locke took Boone to the drug smuggler's plane that he saw in his dream. On the way there, Locke confided in Boone about his paralysis and healing. Uh, because Locke was having difficulty walking, he told Boone that he had to climb into the plane to investigate. Boone discovered that the Beechcraft was really a Nigerian drug runner plane, and inside the plane, as inside the plane, were a number of Virgin Mary statuettes. All now filled. They, they couldn't possibly know that it was Nigerian. They just knew that it was a drug runner plane. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. No doubt. Uh, anyway, those uh, Virgin Mary statuettes were filled with heroin. Uh, he tried, let's see here, he then tried the plane's radio and made contact with Bernard, although he did not know uh, that he too was on the island. The plane began to fall with Boone still inside, and he was crushed. And then we go to clip 13. Yeah, I was kind of sad too. You were what? what? I was kind of sad too. Yeah, no doubt. You know, crushed. It began the end of Boone. What were you going to say, Chef Mark? You teared up during that episode? No, I was making a stupid joke. You know, they said he was crushed. And I said, yeah, I was kind of sad, too. Oh, okay. I get it now. I'm sorry. I wasn't following you there for a second. Anyway, Locke carried the badly injured Boone back to the caves. When ba- Meanwhile, back at the Bat Cave. <laughs> um, let's see here. When Locke reaches the caves, Jack and Locke, uh, Jack asked Locke what happened, and Locke replied that Boone fell off a cliff before leaving for the hatch. That's funny because in the cliff was over there podcasting. I was How over there have... podcasting. <laughs> anyway, um, what's funny is that um, Shannon says a hatch. What's that? And he's like, the do- you know, you mean it's like a, a door? door? And he's like, yeah, that's what a hatch is. Although there was this huge thing about how the in the underground dwelling became known as 
the hatch. Right. Anyway, okay. I guess maybe I'm the only one person that thought that was interesting. I guess so. Jack so, no, we've had this whole debate a number of times. Yes, the, we did. Uh, the hatch yeah. is the door itself. <laughs> the underground dwelling is not a hatch. Exactly. <laughs> However, the writers of the show, or, or at least the producers of the show, in the official Lost podcast officially stated that when they refer to the hatch, they're talking about the underground dwelling. Yes. Yeah, we Americans tend to do that. We use words in ways that they're not intended. Yes, yep. we do. Stephanie? Very much. Jack battled desperately with the aid of Sun to save Boone, <laughs> but because of Locke's lie, Jack could not save him despite Jack giving Boone some of his own blood in a transfusion. Jack realizes Boone's leg is crushed and attempts to cut it off, but Boone stops him knowing he will die regardless. Boone died the following day. His last words were, Tell Shannon, tell her, he died before he could complete his <laughs> There is another Skywalker. <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> Tell her. He, he died very well. He died very well. Um, he was, was just going to tell. He was just going to tell her that he loved her. I mean. Yeah. Anybody who doesn't know that needs to go back and watch it again. Um, Boone was buried along with the other deceased Tell survivors. Tell her to watch out for Anna Lucia is what he should have said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. Um, the button is bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, we're getting near the end, guys. All right. Stephanie, did you want to read that last sentence? No, but I no? will. Okay. Boone was buried along with the other deceased survivors in the graveyard. Shannon did not speak at his funeral, and when Locke showed up, Jack attacked him for causing Boone's death. All right. Uh, at least he wasn't buried alive. Chef Mark, I think you're up next. Very true. Sure. Uh, season 3, day 69. 27 days after Boone's death, Locke was in search of further instructions from the island. He set up a sweat lodge and consumed the same paste that he had put on Boone earlier. It seemed that nothing was going to happen when Boone appeared. Uh, when Locke tried to apologize to Boone, he acknowledged with a hint of sarcasm that he was a sacrifice the island demanded, as Locke had repeatedly described him. Uh, Boone led Locke away, but John discovered that he had lost the use of his legs. Boone put him in a wheelchair. And here's our last clip. Hi, John. It's good to see you again. What's that, John? Oh, you're sorry. That's okay. But I was the sacrifice the island demanded. Don't worry. You'll speak when you have something worth saying. I'm here to help you find your way Never. again. So you can bring the family back together. Bring the family back together. Uh, Chef Mark, you want to uh, finish up the last bit and tell yeah. us a little bit uh, about that sweat lodge experience? Boone led John around Sydney Airport and warned him that it was up to him to save another survivor's life. Locke saw Charlie and Claire. Boone responded that they were fine for a while, hinting at Desmond's later premonition of Charlie's imminent death. Locke saw Jin and Sun arguing, but Boone assured Locke that Saeed would lead them to safety and that Hurley and Desmond would be fine as well. After John saw Jack, Kate, and Sawyer being accosted by Henry, Boone told him that he must clean up his own mess before he could help Jack, Kate, and Sawyer. 
Boone, realizing that John wouldn't comprehend on his own, led Locke to the top of the escalator. There, John found Echo's Jesus stick, covered with blood. Boone, now pale and bloody, as he was when he died, told Locke to save Echo before it was too late. Further instructions. Alrighty, so that that pretty much wraps up everything that's in Lostpedia as the full description of Boone's life uh, from before the island, on the island, and what's happened to him in the spirit realm. Uh, or at least in, in John's, in the dream. in John's, John's dreams anyway. Um, Boone, you know, I'm so thankful that we're doing these. And, and the reason why is because I forget how much I appreciate some of the the characters that we haven't seen or heard from in so long. Obviously, we, we did see Boone in season three, which I thought it was totally awesome that they did something unique with him, bringing him back not as a, just another crossover and a flashback, but to have such a cr- kind of a critical role to kind of set up season three for us. I thought that was amazing. Do you think and remind will... people how he came back, like what that what what the context was? Well, the context was that that um, the sweat lodge thing. So you know, John went in to try to get further instructions from the island as to you know what is it that he's supposed to do. And so it really what it did is it really tied it back to because Boone remember with the whole plane thing like right. so many of the discoveries happened around Boone. Right, absolutely. And uh And John's dreams because John had yeah. a dream about his nanny. Yes. And uh Yep. Anyway. So Stephanie tell us what you were about to say just a minute ago. You forgot. I hear kids running upstairs, but I think it'll be okay until we finish up here. I was going to say something. Yeah. Oh. Just before before Mark did, but that's okay. I don't remember. Um, so obviously we did not go through and read the entire Shannon story from Lostpedia.com. If you're, but I mean, you can remember that you know she 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 was a diva, you know she she was the whiny baby actually, and she was uh, a b i t c h in the beginning. Let's put it that say way. Say the word. I am I not going to say the gonna, word. If you're going to just bring it in. Just say it. I, you will anyway. not hear me say that word. Um, and you know, it's one of the it's one of the interesting cr- criticisms I have of the show that I think that the writing has always been so good, but with Shannon, they were always a little too heavy-handed with her as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's very easy to establish that she's a spoiled, rotten bitch, but it just the, the repeated and constant like it wasn't nuanced the way that you'd expect it. So I was. I think it, it made it a little more difficult to believe her transformation when she when she finally, you know, like fell in love with Saeed, um, yeah. who is just the complete opposite of anyone she ever would have even think thought about before. I mean, as we saw in the example at the airport, she was like, that's just some Arab dude, you know? Yeah. I want to um, know so how. That's, the only, that's one of the few <laughs> criticisms I have about the writing of the show, that they could have written her a lot more nuanced and still portrayed her as the bitch that she was. Right. Yes. I agree. Um, I forgot what I was. You said, Stephanie, yeah. when you were looking at there, you found some very interesting trivia information. Do, do on you, which do, one? I think it was under Shannon, wasn't it? That you, you something that was in the trivia. Let's see here. Let, let's go through some of the trivia. I'll let you look up um, Shannon there. And uh, the the one thing I want to put here. Uh, let's see. Boone's total episode count so far has been tw- he's been in twenty five episodes. Um, there was one where he was uncredited, which is the other 48 days, uh, where we you can actually hear his voice. You hear his voice in Bernard's radio, radio transistor. Right. Uh, Boone was the first main character to be killed. Uh, so if that comes up in a little party trivia 
thing who was the first main character to be killed. It was Boone. Uh, Boone was originally going to be called Boone Anthony Markham the Fifth, uh, or let's see, called mm-hmm. Five by the group. Uh, let's see here. Being called Five would have almost uh, been a direct reference to Pfeiffer, a character from the book uh, took on the trip, Watership Down. Fiverr. All right. Uh, the Chinese figure on... Uh, that, anyway, that's good enough. What, what kind of uh, trivia okay, did we on find Shannon. on Shannon? Shannon was the 14th character um, to have a flashback. Um, and the last of the original cast. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, Shannon's episode count was 28. Um, she died on the, on her 25th. And um, the 26th replayed... Wait a second. She... Oh, that's right. Because on her twenty on the twenty fifth episode in which she appeared, she got killed, and that yes. was that was from the and it, it's it's funny here. It says Saeed and Shannon's point of view, but really what they mean is like the Losties' point of view, right. the main cast point of view, right? right. And then on the twenty sixth episode, we saw it again, but from the Taylor's point, point of view, exactly. In the twenty seventh, um, she was only present um, with her corpse. In the twenty eighth appearance, she was. <laughs> was in flashbacks i think um, the person who wrote these both of these it was not a native english speaker either that or or, or like from new zealand or something because right. to say she was only present with her corpse is kind of a funny way of putting it <laughs> right she yeah. appeared in the episode but she was dead <laughs> she was only present with her corpse okay maggie grace i'm standing here beside myself <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I just found that so funny. Anyway, Maggie Grace was billed as a special guest star in Collision and in Expose. Um, Shannon was the second main character killed. Um, she was the first main character to be killed at the at the conclusion of their flashback episode. Oh, okay. Isn't that doesn't that just suck? She finally gets it. She was the last one to get a flashback, and then they and then kill she her. Gets killed right yep. at the yeah, end of it. That, that does suck. Okay, this is my this is my and favorite. She didn't even have. Oh wait, she did have sex that episode, right? She did. That hey. was that was what started your theorizing, right? That yes. If you have sex on the island, you get killed. Yep, That's right. We're still waiting for Sawyer or Kate to die. Um, Maggie Grace. <laughs> this is my this is my favorite trivia. Okay, Maggie Grace, who now has brown hair wore a blonde wig to shoot her flashback scenes for season three. I yeah. just think that was neat. It, you know, that was funny because we were talking about, you know, how awesome it was to have Boone come into season three. Completely. And his hair was very different. It oh, was. very different. It was. A lot longer. Um, but it was, it was it, I had forgotten that Shannon was also brought back for season three to, to give credence that Paulo and Nikki were yeah. actually we part didn't of buy the best. Yeah. Kate, Kate, in case they yeah. didn't catch that when we didn't buy it. Yeah. Well, you know what they're going to do if – and this, here I just figured out what they're going to do in case of the writer's strike. We're just going to watch all of those Paolo and Nikki episodes that were shot but never got in. <laughs> that would be cool. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, Billy, and Billy D is going to be in them too. Billy D. That was, that was hilarious. That was hilarious. Okay. Anyway, so Shannon's unanswered questions are: Who was her mother? Oh yeah. Um, who was her husband? Don't forget, Shannon was married. I forgot about that. And why did they separate? Why could she see Walt? And why could she hear the whispers? Ah. And the only unanswered question we have for Boone was: Who was his father? Who's Do your you, daddy? Trivia man, know how many days apart they died? Uh twenty-three. 
Seven. Oh, darn. Very cool. So that, that wraps up the numbers. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that that I think that's a pretty interesting little yeah, uh, wrap-up. I think, up, I think round the up Shannon of, got a raw, the, raw de- the, the, the short end of, of this episode because we, I mean, through Boone... Through reading Boone's page, you really that's just okay. She see... she didn't get the short end of Saeed. No. Oh, did I say that, <laughs> Chef Mark? <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! I'm sorry. I just ruined your family friendly rating. Oh all man, all I'm it. gonna have to go put the explicit tag oh, on this one. Anyway, that was funny. All righty. So um, let's see here. I I've been talking with Kevin, uh, our good friend, uh, who gets our audio clips for us. Um, just some of the names that I've thrown out there to him to, uh, cause he, he's getting ready to not be able to obtain clips for us and for quite some time he's going on strike actually. <laughs> um, anyway, if he does get some, here's the order that I gave him. But of course we don't have to have audio clips to do these shows. Right. Um, there is Hurley, Danielle Rousseau, Paulo and Nikki, uh, cause we need to get I, them out of the way. I'm, I'm going on strike that night. Yeah, no doubt. John Locke, uh, Mr. Echo and Desmond. But you said you would like to have um, Danielle Rousseau well, and think, Alex at the well, same time. I think if we did, if we did Danielle, it would just make sense to do Alex at the same time. And then, and Carl. if we did Alex, it would make sense to do Carl at yeah. the same time. I would. I I argued in season three that they could have done away with one of Kate's flashbacks and gave us an Alex flashback. That would I be agree. so awesome. Because it'd be an on island flashback. Yes. And um, and I'd like for them. Juliet. Now maybe Juliet is just ignorant to the fact that Alex is really Danielle's daughter, but she keeps telling Claire, or she told Claire that she's the only pregnant woman who has given birth to a live, healthy child on island. But that's not true because Danielle did also. Did she? If Alex is her daughter, did she give birth on the? No, yes, yeah, she was pregnant when that no. boat crashed. She gave birth there. And no, it's no, never no, been. No, it, it was typically said that, that, was, that they are mother and daughter, but. Well, it, they are mother and daughter. I mean, I, I believe it. I Saeed believe it is. said, "Here, meet your daughter." Yeah, or meet your mother. Well, no, no, I know, but that, <laughs> but it's never been definitively stated that that was the case. Okay, well, you're right. It has never been definitively stated, but it How? has been roundabouted so many times. Roundabouted. If you can't, I like that, Stephanie. <laughs> like that. It's been so roundabouted so I, many times. I, I couldn't think of another. But isn't another. that what this whole show is about? Is <laughs> about going roundabout and then tricking people? Pretty <laughs> much. A, little, a little bit. But here's the thing. It's not whether or not you give birth on the island. It's whether or not you conceive on the island. Okay. And and, uh, we, and it is known that Rousseau was pregnant when they got to the island. Right. So yeah, she was because remember date of conception yes. was you know they they went in and measured and she's like oh my gosh you did conceive on the island I'm so sorry son but she talking al- about son yeah yeah yes. but she also said that that they anyway never mind I think okay. uh, Jeff had something to say in the chat yeah. Yeah, I let, I told Cliff that and yeah let's uh he kept talking anyway I'm sorry. And uh, let's see here. We'll put that and got a clip uh, thing. Jeff, what did you want to say? Hey, I, I was just going to say it was about conception on the island versus off the island. That was the point I was going to bring up, but I canceled when Cliff said it. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I stole your thunder. No problem. <laughs> no problem. All righty. Well, thank you, Jeff, for calling in uh, and being Maybe a part of the show. Maybe if they air new episodes, I could remember my facts right. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, X-Force 11 from the forum over at gspn.tv. If you join the forum and join the community, you'll see us there. Alrighty, so uh, folks, I think that's going to uh, pretty much wrap things up for us here uh, this week. Chef Mark, I want to say thank you for being our special co-host guest. Oh, wow, that's really loud in my ears. Uh, co-host in uh, for tonight's episode. Thanks, guys. I mean, it's funny. I have been so away from Lost in my mind that it's it's like just just reading through some of this stuff tonight has gotten me really uh, excited for the show. But then also, I'm a little I have trepidation with this whole writer strike and what's going to happen. So yeah. if they if they postpone until '09, then I think it'll be terrible. Oh, it it will be extremely horrible. And so I, I'm really hoping that that doesn't. Uh, happen at all and like I mentioned before uh, last night when we were chatting that it'll kind of be like the Sopranos where they had they took an entire season off and I think it really killed a lot of the momentum yeah yep <laughs> it, it definitely will kill the momentum and I mean as if waiting till February wasn't bad enough it would definitely uh, it, I mean obviously like you said before the show um, it's not gonna keep the diehard fans away but uh, anybody that's just I casual Oh, Stephanie. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, everybody. That's it. And uh, we enjoy having you with us and uh, ask you to join the community at gspn.tv. This show is brought to you by TalkShoe. Create your own internet talk show. Check it out at talkshoe.com.